0: Hi, I'm your host, Tom DeSavia. Join me as I interview guests from music and entertainment from around the world about what they're up to right now. Stay tuned, because we're Gone in 30 Minutes. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the season finale of Gone in 30 Minutes. It's not the series finale. It's the season finale. Season one is down, and we're really pleased to welcome our final guest of the year, the lovely and talented Mr. Dan Wilson, welcome, Dan.
1: Thank you, Tom. Thank you.
0: Um, well, what we kind of we start off here. What's up? What are you up to right now?
1: Uh, mundane music stuff. I have um. I have a a couple, two different songs that need second verses, and um, they're collaborate collaborations. But I have the sense that if I write a second verse. Uh, my collaborators will figure out how to fix them or make them better, and you know, make those words better, and then we'll have a, you know, our song will be done. These, these are mm-hmm. two songs that happened; they seem like they ought to be short, so I don't feel like there's a lot of writing to do. But I wanted mm-hmm. to make the lyrics really good, so I'm taking a little extra time. So that's one thing. And um, I have um, a big collection of of recordings that I made when I was in Alaska last year mm-hmm. that are almost like ambient kind of beautiful, alarming, spacey, ambient music to go with um, films about glaciers and the Alaskan landscape. And I'm kind of making those into like 10 or 12 uh, very short, super simple films about those landscapes. I have these musical pieces, and I have a few that are that are still terrible and need some work. So I'm going to do a little bit of creative work on crazy ambient uh, jams.
0: How has it been?
1: Uh,
0: are you? I'm assuming you're doing everything mostly on your own.
1: In March, I did a couple of days writing songs on the phone on Facetime with Alec Benjamin, who's an old friend of mine, and we wrote a couple songs. And one of them, he put one of them out right away, and uh, and I kind of got a flavor for what it would be like to write songs on Zoom. Uh, it's it's you don't you don't even even the best writing session on zoom you you leave it feeling depleted i this is my experience like it can be just a great that was great what a wonderful like person or that i love the song we wrote that was so cool but oh you know i'm so tired and i i really pine for the kind of sense of uplift and kind of increase that i have always gotten from collaborations with people in, you know, in real life. It's like there's something about the the media uh, intervening that takes some of the, the joy out. Strangely, though, I've, I've been working on songs. I write like twice a week with people. And uh, some of the songs have been really, really good. And I'm glad, especially with people that I already know, to be able to kind of, quote, unquote, hang with them if they're far away or if they're very quarantined have
0: you been mixing it up with folks you know and and coming in yes were you able to because this is the thing for everybody it's like were you able to take to it right away
1: here's what I took to right away the first session that I did with with Alec um it was fun because I I know him and we have a, a a rhythm and we shot the breeze for a while and then we wrote a really good song and then three and a half hours had passed and we were both, you know, crazy exhausted. And that was a surprise. And then we said goodbye. And then I did it again with someone else the next week and Alec the next week after that. And at a certain point, I was doing a couple sessions a week like that. Sometimes a follow-up like a Monday with some someone and then a Tuesday with the same person. That That's always good for me. I'm a little slower than some writers and I don't always wrap it up uh, after, you know, one day but um once i had a couple of weeks with three sessions which is maybe my normal easy going week pre-pandemic mm-hmm. it was unsupportable i couldn't it was on like i couldn't take that much screen time while being creative i kind of realized that i personally didn't want to be so gung-ho that i wore myself out you know so I've been doing like one or two sessions a week, and working on. I have a, I have an album full of um, improvised lullabies that I've been recording on um, Instagram, and I have a uh, that I'm gonna maybe put out an EP or two of just sort of soothing improvised lullabies on the piano, and then I've got um, this set of uh, kind of uh, environmentalist ambient jams and, and then, you know, songwriting. Right. Meanwhile, strangely, sadly, I'm sorry to interrupt, but Semisonic but no, no, no. put out a song in March or no, right. uh, April, or I don't even know when, and it was on the radio and it's, it's called you're not alone. And so many, like many, many good things happened. And we, we did these sort of um, virtual, you know, jamming performances uh, of, of that song and other songs of ours. And, and, but we were, you know, unable to perform and uh, like I pine for my, my songwriting homies, but I also I really really pine to play gigs with John and Jacob. And I'm you know we put out a record for that purpose. We wanted to get out and play, and here we are, not.
0: Well, that's how do you balance that sort of uh, you know multiple personality thing you have going on in your brain at all times, and shift from collaborator to artist to performer. I mean, is it does is it ever like death of a thousand paper cuts and you, it's overwhelming? Or are you able to 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 navigate pretty well?
1: That's way? really I, I get it. I understand that question. I think what I've always needed was uh, songwriting is like my thing. And even Mm -hmm. when I was like 11 or 12, the thing that I admired about Elton John, who I admired a lot was the idea that he was a songwriter. And I knew all about Bernie Taupin really early, you know, and I, I, the, the thing I admired about, Carol King was that she was a songwriter it was like that was something I was aware of really early and so I always thought of it as like a thing that I was going to learn how to do I it took a long time for me to get good but I can't really imagine a life where I just write songs you know 200 days a year cranking out another song I I, I think I'm too what's the word I, I'm like too much of a sort of butterfly and I'm too social of a person I'm and I've I need distract. I need to be distracted by something and come back to something, or I need to have one thing that distracts from the other thing, and they each, in turn, distract me. That's how I kind of need things to work. I can't just be Craig Wiseman and just write two hundred and fifty songs a year. You know, or, uh, the, the 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 country right, the Nashville writers I, who are, so prolific. I I I that scares me. I don't know if I would have much to say after, hundred fifty. I've done years where I wrote eighty songs. That's like. Wow. insane. I d I don't want to do that again like either. Do you,
0: when you step back into the semisonic thing, was it says like it, it, was it the same guy that re-entered the band?
1: The, no, that was like an existential issue. Uh I could I, I really struggled with how much I had to be that same guy. And I didn't really, you know, when I look back at semisonic, there was I watched some films of us backstage and doing stuff and you know, backstage at TV shows. And, you know, sometimes we had our friends or our crew like follow us around with a camera, you know? And so we'd have a lot, we had a lot of footage of us kind of in the studio or, you know, biding time or whatever. And a lot of my interactions at that time, when I look back, I'm like, God, who is this brusque, you know, ultra efficient (laughs) jerk? Like, I don't like him. (laughs) I was so, I was so dead set on us, like, Moving everything forward all the time, all the time, and I had brief moments where I could sort of relax and and laugh, and we had a lot of laughs. Uh, John and Jake and I and our crew had a lot of laughs, but a lot of what I was at the time was just this sort of—I was beset by woes about my daughter Coco, who was in the hospital for a lot of Semisonic's most successful time. Um, but I was also. I was just so damn serious. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I kind of was happy that I, that I couldn't turn into that guy again, but I did have to find the Sonic like inspiration again to, to be the, to be the guy in semi-sonic. And that took a, a minute. Well, I was just saying, we were all earnest
0: in the nineties. We can all. Earnest. earnest. I'm telling you, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I was earnest. I'm still earnest. I'm earnestly gentle, but I'm, but I was, Earnestly brusque at the time, I was throwing punches. punches. I wasn't, I wasn't uh, Glenn John's level crankiness, <laughs> but I was definitely serious about many things.
0: Ever trash a dressing room out of rage?
1: No, no. Um, I've never destroyed things. Uh, in a fit of peak, that's never. I, literally never in my life. I would always think about the the staff who would have to come in and fix it. I mean, it's you know, if you're mad at the other band or you're mad at the promoter or you're mad at, like, whoever, I always have too much perspective. And I, like, I know that if I, like, if I, you know, peed on the floor or, like, tore the stuffing out of the, you know, sofas or in the dressing room or whatever, that just some poor person would have to come in and clean it. It wouldn't be the promoter coming in and, like, cleaning it up. It would just be somebody who's like, oh, these people are such jerks. So I, I've always had too much, like... I can follow the thread too quickly, you know.
0: It'll haunt you. We call that Catholicism. Where right? I <laughs> Well, okay, I'm going to skip around. Uh, yeah. You said something earlier, so and I don't know this about your career about the point collaboration started for yeah. you. Yeah. Like what those early years of Trip Shakespeare were and Semisonic and and the collaborating with outside forces, outside artists. But right. I do know it was on a Semisonic album you did a, a cover with Carol King.
1: Yes. Yes. What was that I like? mean, I was very accustomed to collaborating because um, my brother Matt and I shared a guitar when we were like, I think we got it when I was 14 and he was 12 or something like that. Right. My parents bought us a, as one guitar to, to share amongst us. And uh, we learned how to write songs and we, and we wrote songs alone and we wrote songs together and we had bands and we wrote things together. We half finished something and the other one would finish it. It was very comfortable for me all, all along. Um, Carol was a... Carol was a you know and then and then trip shakespeare we a lot of the musical part of it was if not written then developed in sound checks you know very much in front of the bar staff you know just so we were unselfconscious about that and uh so collaborating was totally fine with me but um carol and i met through john tita uh-huh. now at ascap and uh she and I were going to write a song for probably for Semisonic. That was like might have been my second proper co-write. You know, I got together with Carol, and I was so super nervous, and um, because my parents had listened to her when I was a little child, you know, and we and she was totally in my Sonic DNA, and um, she, uh. I learned a lot. I almost was like had an out of body experience or maybe my memories of the session uh, came back bit by bit. But like I noticed that if she proposed an idea, she did it very kind of, not suddenly, but like she would say, what about this? And she'd play something on the piano or sing a melody. And if I went, no, nah, I don't know. Uh, she'd go, okay, how about this instead? And she'd sing a like completely different thing, like right there. Like she didn't have to, you know, uh, you know, like ruminate. Right. she just would just open up her mind and another melody came in and she would sing that and two things about that one is like well she's carol king and she didn't argue for her idea like if i said like i don't know about that she'd go okay how about this instead like she never said no this is a great one you know we need to do this my way or whatever she was just completely right. light about it like at one point i i teased her by suggesting a certain chord i don't know maybe i don't know if you could hear my Let's see if you can hear my piano. Maybe you Let's can. See. Maybe you can. I suggested this chord. Uh, <laughs> just uh, I don't know. Just in the spirit of like, not, I wasn't making fun of her, but it was like that's a typical Carol King chord. Yeah. I, said, how, how, <laughs> I said, how about this? How about the how about the four over five? And like, I was waiting for her to yeah. say, you know, to. Say you make me feel like a natural co writer, right Totally, now. yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I was waiting for, I said, What about the four over five, Carol King? And she goes, That's not called the four over five, that's called the C over K. <laughs> and that's
0: awesome.
1: the third thing I, I remembered later as it all came kind of bubbling back into my mind. So, I first of all, that's like third thing I remember is that I we were talking about songs, like, I did this thing with Carol which was half conscious and half unconscious, I would say, you know what? One of my favorite songs of yours is, um, I wasn't born to follow. I, I love that song. And Carol goes, no one ever mentions that song. And I was like, I love that song. And she goes, oh, wow. Um, and she's at the piano. She goes, and she starts singing it. And she sang the whole song, like uh, like trying to like remembering it mm-hmm. and enjoying it and kind of enjoying that I was enjoying it. And But it wasn't like, you know, she wasn't, performing it. She was just sharing it. And that blew my mind because just watching the way she was enjoying that song and remembering that song and kind of working her way through it. And, you know, she, I don't think she had practiced it for years, probably. I don't think it was a mainstay of hers. I don't, I don't even know, but she told me that, you know, no one ever mentions it. So, I did it a couple times. I I didn't overdo it, but I also told her that something tells me I'm into something good. Is another one of my favorite songs of hers, and she sang like a verse and a chorus of that for me. And I was like, ah. So, that generosity. And then then I said, um, and I didn't try to get her to play Chains. I was like, how about like getting covered by the Beatles? How how about you know? Well, how did you feel when when the Beatles recorded Chains? And like that's you know the artist that so many of us are so deeply influenced by. And Carol goes, well, I mean, um, she was almost like half hesitant, but half not. She was like, I, I, I don't mean to set you straight, but um, they thought of me as an influence on them. <laughs> Damn right. Yeah. And what I loved about it later, when I thought yeah. about it more was the lack of false modesty. Like yeah. she was, she wasn't staking an unreasonable claim. She was totally right, but she didn't downplay it either she was like, I influenced, let's make no mistake, I influenced the Beatles. And I had, I liked that. I found that to be like, it, it, it was basically, strangely, it was an attractive thing for her to say. And my Norwegian-American upbringing might've told me that it would be sort of jerky to, to say that. And I kind of learned, oh yeah, you can't pretend to be less than you are. That's that's phony too. And it was just really cool. So she was really kind to me. She set me at ease. She claimed her chord and her legacy. And she was, and yet she was so light with her ideas. How about this? That's okay. Amazing. Okay. If not that, how about this?
0: So cool. Do you have uh can you pull that song jukebox? I know you do a lot of song shows. Yeah, well, not necessarily ones you're known as a performer of. But can you do that? Do you have total recall on everything you've written, pretty much?
1: Oh no, um, no, I'm. I got something else, but I don't have that. Like I definitely have friends who they can hear a song one time and then, like you know, six months later they could sing it for you or play it for you and remember the words. And I um, I do shows that are all request shows uh, once in a while. Not this year, haha. Mm-hmm. But um, I have two giant white spiral binders that have every single song that I've written alphabetized by a lovely intern of mine who, who it was his idea he, we put them all in a in the spiral notebook and it was just so vast and and the, the next day I came back to the studio and he said uh, I just couldn't stand uh, that your songs were in random order in these giant notebooks so I I, I bought you tabs and <laughs> <laughs> alphabetize the songs. And so that's what I use when I do song, like an an all request show or a portion of a show. It's like those this next songs will be all requests. And I've got the huge spiral binders so I can remember the lyrics.
0: I want to ask you, so one thing I was thinking of, because I remember reading about, and what you hear all the time from writers, uh, which is always a great story, is like, and I believe this is the way with Not Ready to Make Nice, your tune with the Dixie Chicks, mm-hmm. uh, that you won the Grammy for, and mm-hmm. sort of catapulted you into this new life. of, of yeah. That song came out pretty quick,
1: right? The, the, we talked about a bunch of stuff um, having to do with their their incident and their travails, of right. political misadventures. On the first day when we wrote um, It's So Hard When It Doesn't Come Easy, another song. And that was a cool song about hard-won pregnancies, essentially, um, which we all had in common. The second day, I, we, we, I had gotten an impression that 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 my sort of conciliatory peacemaking tendency was was not going to fly if we were going to write. I felt like we had to write something like really directly dealing with them getting blacklisted and them, you know, getting like right. scapegoated. So the second morning, I came with a with a espresso fueled maybe four lines, three three or four lines of the song and and a title. So I had like the first, forgive sounds good, forget, I'm not sure I could. I'm not ready to make nice. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to stop. I finished my espresso, have my morning, go to the studio with this fragment. And then the rest of the day was like just a, a hoot, essentially. It was really silly and fun. And, and the ideas were, we really, 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 we realized it had to be like jam-packed with ideas and important
0: to do well and the, the flip side of that is do you often have songs that take years or nag at you for years are you can you do that or do, do they just sit there and pull at you till you write the song do you forget about them
1: like uh i've had songs that 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 i started and forgot and then accidentally discovered on my phone or in a computer or in a notebook. Every once in a while, I've had a song like that, which I finished immediately upon rediscovering it. Like, oh, this, wow, I love this. And like, bang, 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 and it's done. I've done that. And I've done songs that are, uh, that took weeks and weeks of on again, off again effort. But those are all terrible. Like none of those are good.
0: Do you not ever find a little something you're like, oh, I forget. Cause everyone thinks their early songs are terrible and they're usually not. It's just, you're sick of them.
1: Uh well I but a song has to like it has to I don't know it has to be immediate when the person hears it and if it's if it's done in a super non immediate way I think sometimes it has a it's going to be harder for it to be an immediate experience for the listener and maybe that's part of what I mainly what I think is so, songs that take forever to write are just um more likely unlucky ideas that just were never going to be great that's why it took so long right Right. A good idea is like, whoopsie-daisy, it's done. Like That idea was, that was easy. And does that, do you get, are you,
0: a, again, I don't know if discipline is the right word, are you a disciplined writer where you say, I write from noon to three every day, or is it just you wake up in the middle of the night in a fevered sweat writing writing shit down?
1: I have both. I, I, um... I wish that I, I I just saw one of those um, Facebook like reposts of a thing, you know, the Facebook gives you a memory or something you posted a long time ago. I just saw a post of mine on Facebook from 2009. It said something like, I've written 20 finished songs in the last month and 20 ideas for other songs. I'm starting to feel like I've forgotten how to interact with human beings. Staring at their lips when they speak alarms them but doesn't help me understand them when they talk. And I'm like, okay, at that point, if I if I'm at that point, I'm I'm no longer a useful person around the house or in anyone's life, but I can turn anything into a song and at that point all that hard work of the you know turning into as you know as a, uh, a song generator over the past month, then the songs come quickly and easily but it's definitely because of the ridiculous process that you go through to get to that point point. and I don't want to live that way all my life I, I care about my family too much and i I think some people do
0: well on we some point you can't, there's choice doesn't enter into it I guess it's like falling yeah. in love right you're just gonna right. Well, okay. Well, I know that uh, we're about to our lightning round. We're almost done with the show,
1: but I know that today's conversation
0: is going to inspire a myriad of songs from you,
1: right? Uh, uh, I'm I'm not sure. I actually I I was gonna when you said what have, what have I been up to? I forgot about one thing that I'm up to that I'm really happy and excited about. But it's not writing songs. It's this thing um, that you've probably seen me posting about but it's this thing called uh words and music in six seconds i love them i haven't seen the cards yet but i
0: love i want to will be posting some of the instagram videos
1: it's a deck of cards that has but- like like stuff that i would say like oh here's one all of this conscious effort and thought in preparation for the music emerging unconsciously and effortlessly i mean just things like that or there's one um there's one that says, uh, "Let me reassure you of something. You can rhyme a word with itself. No one will be mad." <laughs> I
0: loved. I sat through the video. There's a YouTube of all of your of oh your posts, okay. but I'm stealing about ninety-seven of them to go on because they're
1: actually great pieces of advice. <laughs> the deck could be purchased through your website, correct? Yes, the deck is. You can get it through my website. There's a link on my Instagram. You could also go on Instagram and just see. This deck is is my is like seventy five of them. There's several hundred, I think, on Instagram, and I I wanted this deck to be several hundred, but it would have been like this tall, so it would have been volume one, volume two,
0: volume three. Yeah, yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. All right,
0: All right now we're going straight to word association. You ready? All right, I'm ready, ready. Okay, ready, ready. just start with an easy one or a hard one. A song you wish you wrote? um Norwegian Wood. Uh, What's something that's true that almost no one agrees with you on?
1: Hmm. That most of politics is imaginary.
0: Good. I like that one. I wish I agreed with it, but I'm going to take that attitude for it.
1: (laughs) Well, it makes it even more the right answer. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um, Let's see. Uh, Our producer, Laura, came up with some regional ones for you from uh, St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Uh, What's the best place to grab a bite in your hometown? Ooh.
1: Oh, so many! Um, there's a restaurant called Young Joni that's really good. They have good. They have good regular food and good pizza. There's a place that I've been to many times, a, a cafe called Sebastian Joe's that I love. They have also nice ice cream. Uh, uh, the Birchwood Cafe is something that uh, an, an important place to me. Cool, good ones. Was there another landmark there that you uh,
0: think people should be aware of or holds a special memory for you? uh everything uh, regional now that's the best part about this thing yeah we're in, we're bringing uh, back regionalism
1: my um you know there's a there's a a, a bridge across the mississippi called the stone arch bridge mm-hmm. and i've walked across it with with my parents and with friends it's it's beautiful it's it's near where my parents live in minneapolis and uh it's just a great kind of piece of old architecture, but also, a, and a reminder of the old days of, of milling, the Minneapolis being like a, a, a grain milling town, you know, and it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful Vista. And
0: uh, last of the regional questions, uh, the Coen brothers set their 2009 film, a serious man in St. Louis park, circa 1967. And do you have a favorite Coen brothers film?
1: <sighs> I like um, Fargo, but it really is takes it out of me. I, I'm not, a, I, 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 I I don't suspend disbelief at all at a movie. So if someone gets, you know, tortured or killed, I I can't remember. Like a horror movie is utterly real to me. I, I can't separate fantasy from reality in a movie. So their stuff is pretty rough. But I, I really like Fargo a lot. And I love the terrible Minnesota accents that everyone has. And they went to my high school. Did they really? Yeah. And I well, went to uh, St. Louis Park High
0: School. Well, go watch um, uh, in Arizona. Holds up.
1: Hilarious oh, I love that one. Comedy. I love that there one. Yeah, go. I love that one. But you know what? That one also, like, I could never even watch those, um, you know, slamming door farces, the plays where like there's a mistaken identity, or, or like you know, Twelfth Night, or the 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 um the the Shakespeare plays where where the young woman disguises herself as a young man and sort of infiltrates the court and lies to the king about a bunch of stuff. Like, I find that unbearable. Like, it's unbearably tense. But, <laughs> How like
0: do you do with Kirby enthusiasm.
1: Oh God! Oh please. no!
0: Oh no! no. So a movie: A Jack Lemmon movie from 1970 called The Out-of-Towners.
1: Oh my God! Totally the same thing. One of my dad's favorite movies. He had he made me watch it one time, and I was like, "This is so tense." It's one of the greatest.
0: Last <laughs> question for you, Dan. What's the best piece of advice you ever got?
1: Ooh, no wow. pressure. Okay, this is okay partly because it was someone that I admire so much. I went to a, I went to a talk by Frank Stella. He's a New York-based uh, abstract artist you probably know about. And he uh he was talking about his paintings that had been morphing into three-dimensional sculptures, but he was still calling them paintings. And it was a fascinating talk and at the end we he had, he took questions from the audience and I stood up and said, "What how do you feel about all the bad paintings that are in the the galleries and the museums? Doesn't it Make you mad uh, to see all this bad art." And he said,, um, "Well, I forget how, how he exactly said it, but he basically said, "Think about it this way: It's not your job to spend any time thinking about bad art. It's your job to find art that you love, that you think is great and that inspires you. Just't just ignore the bad stuff. That's a waste of time. Beautiful. Yeah, I was like, whoa, I can just concentrate on the stuff I like.
0: <laughs> well, you've done pretty well at concentrating mm-hmm. on stuff you like, my friend. Yeah. Dan, thank you so much. Yeah, this is a pleasure. Thirty minutes, man. It was so good to see you. Um, I want to take a quick second because it's the end of our season. Yep. To just give a shout out to our producer, Laura says who's works endlessly along with her associate producer, Lucy Schuweiler who make this happen. And I just sit okay. here and look ugly and make it all happen. Thanks. for beautiful year, man. I love you. I Keep love you. Going. <laughs> um, again, thank you all. Happy new year to everybody. Here's to 2021. Thanks Dan. We're gone in 30 seconds, 30 minutes, more than 30 seconds. That was fast. <laughs> this show was presented by craft recordings. Thanks for joining us for gone in 30 minutes produced by Laura size.
1: I'm your host, Tom.